Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. President Rodrigo Duterte has finally arrived in Russia for his five-day state visit. Our correspondent Pia Gutierrez is there and joins us live for the latest. So what's going on now, Pia? Hi, Kathy. President Duterte has begun his five-day official visit here in Russia. He arrived in Moscow early this morning after a 12-hour flight from Manila. For day one, Kathy, President Duterte is expected to hold bilateral talks with Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev in the, at the Prime Minister's office in Moscow at 3 in the afternoon. That's around um, 8 p.m. there in Manila. He's also set to receive the chief executive officer of the Rosneft, a Russian government-controlled oil oil and gas companies specializing on exploration, extraction, production, refinement, and sale of petroleum, natural gas, and other petroleum products. The president will then be flying for Sochi City later tonight for his attendance to the Valdai International Forum, where he is set to deliver a keynote address at the plenary session of that international event on Thursday. He will also be holding bilateral talks with Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin, as well as Jordanian King Abdullah bin al-Hussein at the sideline of the forum. Kathy, according to Malacanang, the president will use his second visit to broaden the cooperation of the Philippines and Russia, particularly on trade and economics, defense and military, health and science and technology, among others. According to Philippine Ambassador Carlos Oreta, the president wants to explore market access, particularly for Philippine agricultural products, as well as job opportunities for Filipinos here in Russia. There are about 10,000 Filipinos here in Russia, with most of them working as house service workers. But the embassy says there are more job opportunities, particularly for semi-skilled and skilled workers, carpenters and engineers, particularly in the oil industry here. Soreta says Mr. Duterte is also seeking legal status for a big number of Filipinos who are here illegally. The Philippine government is also seeking energy cooperation with Russia, particularly in tapping Russia for oil supply in the country. They're also looking at possible Russian investments in the country's energy sector, particularly in setting up plants for natural gas. The president's itinerary also includes activities which he was not able to do during his first visit, such as a meeting with the Filipino community in Moscow. He will also give a lecture at the Moscow Institute of International Relations, where he will be conferred with an honorary doctorate. President Duterte will also attend the Philippine-Russia Business Forum in Moscow to promote the trade and investment opportunities between both countries. So a lot of activities in store this time for President Duterte. The Duterte administration is hoping that this time, since his first uh, first visit here was cut short to attend to the Marawi crisis, the Duterte administration is hoping that the president will be able to make the most out of his visit here in Russia. He will be flying back to uh, Davao City uh, after all of his activities. That will be on Saturday, October 5. And that's the latest here in Russia. Kathy? How big is the business delegation there, considering it is his second visit and, and the kinds of agreements that are expected to be signed in this visit? 
Unfortunately, Kathy, we have not received any uh, more details from the Department of Trade and Industry uh, with regards to the Philippine-Russia Business Forum. The, uh, the priority right now, for, particularly for the uh, Philippine uh, delegation, is his bilateral meeting with uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin. But we expect that there are a lot of Filipino businessmen that are uh, here in Russia right now to attend to this forum as expected from, as, as seen from his other foreign trips. There's always a sizable number of businessmen coming with President Duterte to explore business opportunities with every country that President Duterte is expecting to visit. Uh, we are expecting some, uh, 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 some um, interest from the Russians, particularly in the agriculture sector of the Philippines. As I said a while ago, the president is wanting uh, to open the Philippine uh, to reopening uh, Russia to market access to Philippine products, particularly in agriculture. So there's a lot of opportunities that the Philippines and Russia are willing to explore, particularly in trade and investments. Kathy. Thank you so much for the update. Pia Gutierrez live from Russia. The World Trade Organization slashes its forecast for growth and global trade for 2019, just days before the U.S. and China resume their trade negotiations. As Ron Cruz tells us, challenges posed by the trade war are also affecting global central banks. The resumption of U.S.-China trade talks less than a week away. The months-long dispute has been largely blamed for rattling markets and disrupting business operations around the world. In fact, the trade war was among the cited factors behind a dimming outlook for global trade. The World Trade Organization now projects global merchandise trade to increase by just 1.2% this year. That's way below its previous 2.6% forecast and not even half of the 3% growth recorded in 2018. It also slashed its forecast for 2020 from 3 to 2.7%. The international body warns further rounds of tariffs and retaliation, as well as slowing economies and a disorderly Brexit, could squeeze it even more. WTO Director General Roberto Azevedo says the darkening outlook for trade is discouraging, but expected. He urges WTO members to resolve trade disagreements and cooperate to reform the organization. Aside from global trade, central banks are also not immune from persistent headwinds. Dr. Eli Remolona of Asia School of Business says global central banks need to strike a balance in responding to economic challenges. There are two challenges. One is uh, reacting to the trade tensions that are going on, and second, reacting to the political uh, tensions that are also going on. They have to, to strike a balance between the two. I think for now they're losing the fight, actually. So the, the headwinds from trade tensions have been stronger than the tailwinds from uh, monetary policy. So it's a tough challenge for them. As the U.S. and China finally go back to the negotiating table on October 10, some analysts and investors are sticking to hopes of a compromise. Ron Cruz, ABS-CBN News. Markets in Asia also took a hit following back-to-back -back weak factory data from across the world. Philippine shares in particular witnessed their lowest close since May this year. Philippine shares sank again, this time back to the 7,600 level following weak manufacturing data from the U.S. and the Eurozone. The index shaving off another 130 points or 1.7 percent to close at 7610. The last time the local bourse closed at this level was back in May.
you have volumes that are slow, low. So it doesn't take much for you to move the price in any direction. Uh, there are lack of uh, local catalysts. But judging from the performance today of, of the markets and how the U.S. market reacted to the, uh, I guess, the, the manufacturing number that came out, I would expect us to start negative uh, today, unfortunately. Come November, you're going to have that uh, MSCI uh, rebalancing, the final MSCI rebalancing. So that's going to lead to even um, probably more some, some more outflows for the market. Nerva is saying inflation data out on Friday, which is expected to reinforce the expectation of further easing, has been largely baked in. His advice? It's really difficult to position on growth. So what you're looking for really is uh, turnaround stories, some stocks that have some self-contained uh, growth stories. So a value stock that's large caps would be uh, a good name to play. For the day, the big movers include SM Investments and its banking arm, Ayala Corp and its property unit. In corporate stories, the SM Group is set to open at 74th Mall this Friday. Now that mall is going to be located in Dagupan City, also its third in Pangasinan. The mall will add 23,000 square meters of gross floor area. The group says Dagupan City is considered as Pangasinan's industrial hub and that the new center will attract more tourists, further boosting growth of the local economy. And the Philippine Stock Exchange buys back 445 million pesos worth of shares from brokers in a bid to comply with industry limit of 20%. Brokers' shareholdings were last estimated at 26%. PSE shares fell 1.7%. This non-compliance was one of the issues raised against the exchange when it was trying to buy fixed income exchange Philippine Dealing System Holdings. Michelle Long, ABC-BN News. A Philippine economist slams the government's economic managers for their treatment of foreign chambers, expressing worries over the second tax reform package. That's as the European Chamber of Commerce Philippines once again claimed hundreds of thousands of jobs could be lost if the bill is passed in its current form. Warren de Guzman reports. Thank you for inviting me. The European Chamber of Commerce of the Philippines is sticking by the claim of the joint foreign chambers that 700,000 jobs will be lost if the Corporate Income Tax and Incentives Rationalization Act is passed in its current form. But the ECCP also isn't contesting the Finance Department's claim the proposal will create some 1.5 million jobs. We strongly believe that reducing the corporate income tax will be a, will be a booster for the economy and will also help us to attract more uh, foreign uh, investors, which is which is good, and that's definitely should lead to job uh, creations. But if we can avoid also on the other side to lose uh, jobs for the companies that are exporting, and let's do it as well. ECCP President Nabil Francis says the simple solution would be to allow for a longer sunset period so that all affected companies can adjust and adapt to the new incentive regime and this is already being advocated by the Trade Department. Economist and Dean of the Ateneo School of Government Ronald Mendoza, who supports tax reforms, wasn't as diplomatic with the DOF. He denounces as hubris the DOF's challenge to the JFC to prove its 700,000 job losses projection. Mendoza explains the finance department should not disregard or demonize foreign investors and other stakeholders just for the sake of tax reform. 
He warns such tactics of burning bridges will come back to haunt government when they face the same stakeholders in pursuit of other economic reforms. Mendoza says the DOF would be better off seeking the help of stakeholders such as the JFC to ensure the accuracy of their projections. He also took a shot at the Duterte administration's failure to crack down on corruption, which is, quote, killing the credibility of the DOF's fiscal reforms. Meanwhile, Secretary Raul Lambino, administrator of the Cagayan Economic Zone Authority, is playing down the projected negative effects of incentive rationalization. Lambino says, based on his discussions with locators at CESA, which include gaming and fintech operations, incentives are not the main draw of the Philippines. The investors would love to have uh, tax incentives given them, but as I said, that, that would not be the uh, principal reason why they are going to locate inside CESA. Their primary consideration is always the uh, uh, infrastructure. We are hoping that we will be able to raise the required funds in order to improve our physical infrastructure in CESA to the tune of $5 billion. Uh, uh, for the next uh, three years. The Senate Economic Planning Office is expected to produce an independent assessment of the employment impact of CITIRA within the next few weeks. The assessment will be based on data from government as well as information from both supporters and opponents of incentive rationalization. Warren de Guzman, ABS-CBN News. Over 18 million Filipino workers face pressure to upskill or reskill amid the growing shift to automation and artificial intelligence. As Bruce Rodriguez tells us, various sectors such as agriculture, manufacturing, and even construction could be affected. Nearly a quarter of the Philippines' over 70 million strong workforce at risk of being affected by automation, according to global management consulting firm McKinsey & Company. Kaushik Das, McKinsey's managing partner for Southeast Asia, says jobs across all sectors of the Philippine economy will be affected, including agriculture, retail and wholesale, manufacturing, and even construction. Some of these jobs will go away. A lot of other jobs will stay, but the definition of the work will change. Half the work will change, or a third of the work will change. Now, this has potential to create significant social problems. The good news, of course, is that all these forces will also create new jobs. Amid this shift, the Philippines has actively begun looking for ways to boost the number of women in the workforce. Based on a study commissioned by the government, women just comprise 46% of the total workforce, which is below its regional peers. The study cites the stereotype gender roles of women as having the primary responsibility of taking care of homes and men as the provider of the family. That's why the research recommended measures ranging from a law for employers to offer daycare, boost paternity leave beyond seven days, and even bring civil status and pregnancy status within the scope of anti-discrimination law. Meanwhile, McKinsey and Company also says the public and private sectors in the Philippines should collaborate on the country's digital transformation to unlock faster growth and opportunities. Without companies acting differently to adopt these sorts of new technologies and to really use the investments that the government are putting, putting together to, to improve the way that their business works, then the continued growth rates, it, it requires that sort of action for the continued growth rates to be seen that you've seen in the Philippines. The company recently held its flagship digital forum in Manila, bringing together C-level executives under one roof to talk about how digital and new technologies can help usher in faster growth for the local companies.
Bruce Rodriguez, ABS-CBN News. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.